Dang. You know, I, I speak from experience. Gigabit is awesome. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, so me, I, I was coming from 12 megabits down. So I, I'm, a, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, like I have cows. If you, if you exit my neighborhood and you yeah. go down the street, there are cows. Like, yeah, uh, same here. Mm-hmm. Right outside my neighborhood's apartments. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. As a developer, you love building things that are fun and that matter. Me too. Do you want to add authentication to yet another app? Do you want to stay updated with all the security issues and patch them? Why not leave it to the experts? Auth0 is the easiest and fastest way to implement real-world authentication and authorization architectures into your apps and APIs. Allow your users to log in with either regular username and password, social identity providers like Facebook and Twitter, or enterprise identity providers like Active Directory, Office 365, etc. Or without passwords, with an email login like Slack or phone login like WhatsApp. Getting started is very easy. Add authentication to your Ruby app or Rails app, Sinatra, and others in less than 10 minutes by writing only a few lines of code. No credit card required. Get the free plan or try the enterprise plan for 21 days at auth0.io slash rubyrogues. That's the number zero in Auth0. Auth0 is trusted by developers at Atlassian, Mozilla, Bluetooth, Optimizely, Financial Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Try it out at auth0.io slash rubyrogues. Remember, that's the number zero in Auth0. And get back time building core features. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Dave Kimura. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we have a special guest, and that's Amir Rajan. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Now, Amir, you've been on the show before, but do you want to just kind of remind everybody who you are, what you do? Yep. Um, so I, I swear every time I come on the show, it's something different as, as far as what I'm doing. <laughs> but at, at my core, I'm still a game developer. Um, I'm probably the most successful Ruby game developer in the world of the two of us that are probably out there. I'm the most successful <laughs> one. Um, and um, I'm also now the owner slash CEO slash steward of RubyMotion, which is a platform that allows you to write uh, write Ruby for mobile devices and Mac. Uh, so that's that's been a quote-unquote recent development for me. So um, uh, game dev slash company person, company owner person slash occasionally still do .NET. Even today, I still find myself have, uh, picking up side gigs uh, doing doing .NET development. So I see, can't seem to get rid of that little, uh, little side itch. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, we, we had Laurent on the show a while, a while, I want to say, I say, I'm saying a while, but it's been years, you know, to talk about, it's been years, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's just such an interesting project. And then, um, I got the email saying, Hey, it's been acquired. Amir is running it now. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. So I reached out and said, hello, and you're going to be speaking at Ruby dev summit. And I was like, we should get you on the show and just talk about, you know, where this is now. Um, mainly for, for the reason that, you know, when we talk Ruby, we're usually talking like, uh, web development and occasionally we get into DevOps or something or careers or things like that. We almost never talk about this, uh, mobile option that people have if they want to keep doing Ruby and start doing mobile development. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's one of those things that I think, uh, the, the, the entire, I guess, non rails Ruby community really wants to 
uh, bring light to. Um, just just talking about uh, Ruby Kaigi 2016 when I was over there, they in their in their talk submissions they explicitly said do not do not submit talks about Rails. We will we will decline your talk. And the reason behind this is that you know they want they want to show people that there are things past the web, right? For for Ruby as a language. And uh, its underpinnings, you know, didn't come from the web. Uh, its underpinnings and its origin, uh, where it originated from, uh, were very not web um, scenarios. So, uh, just being a part of that Ruby world is um, was something was something of a uh, of a resurgence for me. Like going to Ruby Kaigi and seeing the not web Ruby that exists out there was uh, was one of those things that you know was like, wow, this is this is what Ruby is right here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you hear people, you know, you hear people, uh, generally saying like, oh, Ruby's dead or, you know, and I think, I think about it myself sometimes like, is Ruby dead? Is it dying and, and whatnot? But then you see all the not web Ruby that's out there and kind of the innovations and kind of like the, uh, the things that uh, the envelopes that we're trying to push, um, in, in, in different ecosystems, including mobile, mobile being one of them. Um, it's really cool. And it's one of those things that was eye opening and, you know, really humbling for me. So yeah, so you can use Ruby motion, you can use Ruby on mobile, um, and it's it's exactly what you expect from being able to use Ruby, uh, the Ruby the language. I know we talked in a um, a previous podcast about like the aesthetics of Ruby, and you and I've worked very hard. Laurent has worked very hard to try to capture those aesthetics outside of just just what you uh, what most Ruby developers experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I've I've actually built a few apps on Ruby Motion, and you know, at first it is, especially if you come from just being a Rails developer, like if that's how you were introduced into Ruby, it's really kind of eye-opening to see it used in a different way other than web development. You know, I've done other things aside from Ruby Motion and Rails uh, with Ruby. However, you know, initially getting started with Ruby Motion, you know, I started out when it was like version two something. You know, it was uh, yeah, that was quite very a, early. It, it was a long time ago, and you know, I've had the <laughs> pleasure of maintaining that application over the years, getting it upgraded, and you know, getting it working with the uh, current iOS requirements for the App Store. And it's been an interesting thing. And I think one of the things that made it the most pleasurable is not having to worry about the dev certificates. That yes. the mo- motion provisioning package that you guys created is amazing. Uh, I had to you know, switch Macs a couple of times and every single time getting that certificate reinstalled and get it working correctly with Ruby motion was always a pain. But once you guys introduced the motion provisioning, which basically just asks for the Apple ID and your password, it goes out there, it fetches it, it does a provisioning, everything. So you don't have to worry about it. You know, it just makes it to where uh, you could just get in there and start programming. Uh, Yeah. And one of the other uh, interesting things with regards to just, just this, kind of stuff is it's frustrating. It is so frustrating why, you know, Android or, and and Google and Apple just don't provide sane things. It's like, why does it have to be so incredibly complicated to even get, you know, something on my device? So this, this, uh, you know, this idea of what Ruby tries to convey as a language, you know, we, we try very hard to, you know, to, to bring that, lift that up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we're not the only ones. There's a there's a, a, a GitHub repo, open source GitHub repo out there called Fastlane. And Fastlane is is basically what we're leveraging to to download provisioning profiles and you know various things like that. Um, inside of Fastlane, you have you have even the ability to upload to the App Store, set your description, set your screenshots without ever ever opening up iTunes Connect. And you know how painful it is to use that <laughs> damn web interface. But you know it's yeah. like one of those things. It's it's a, a part of me, and this is this is across and, Android and iOS, but. It's just it's frustrating to see like, you know, it's been a decade, you know, that's what that's how long it's it, it almost feels like a decade since the iPhone came out or since, you know, we started getting into the smartphone world and we're still we're, we're still dealing with. Yeah, things things this way, and I feel with regards to mobile development and I guess not web, um, I think Ruby can still make a, a really strong mark uh, from the perspective of, you know, that first uh, that first video that DH, uh, DHH did with, you know, look all look at all the stuff I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. And everyone just felt like, oh, Spring and Java was just the way you're supposed to do it. And it's still like that. It is it is insane, but it's still like that on on uh, in the mobile ecosystem where it's like you just use Android Studio and you just use Xcode. And this is just what you have to do. And uh, there's this relatively speaking, small group of people are like, no, 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 it doesn't have to be that way. And, um, you know, it's just exciting to be part of that group. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ruby Motion, how long has that been out now? It's been five years, six years? Uh, Yeah, I think, I can't remember exactly when it went live. I started using it back in 2013. Um, So that was the the transition when iPhone, when the first uh, non-skeuomorphic, or like the flat UI uh, became the thing, um, but I think Ruby Motion in development, uh, Laurent started uh, with MacRuby, uh, which mm-hmm. was an open source project to, uh, mm-hmm. while he was working at Apple, and that's been in, that was developed started development almost eight nine years ago. Uh, so that's where um, I guess Ruby Motion forked off from. So it's been a very long time in development. Yeah, and uh, just just when you you uh, personally when I uh, acquired that code base, quote unquote acquired that code base. Uh, it's, and you open it up and you, it's really, really humbling to see someone's work, um, over such a long period of time, um, in such a very difficult, uh, realm, I guess. Right. Cause it's, it's not writing Ruby. It's writing, it's not writing in Ruby. It's writing Ruby, building right. Ruby. And, mm-hmm. and, um, from my perspective, you know, that was one of those things where, wow, like, I've been standing on the, you know, the shoulders of giants, but I did not completely understand how, how high, how tall those giants stood and, um, and getting into that other side of the world and kind of, kind of seeing, you know, what all was built up by Laurent and everyone else, um, at, on that tool chain is, uh, uh, it was it was eye opening for me. It felt it felt like um, one of those like quote unquote greater purpose things where I'm part of a bigger bigger community outside of just uh, outside of just the Ruby Ruby community. So um, that was really cool too. So it's interesting because if I remember right, Ruby Motion statically compiles to a runtime that the I- iPhone will run. Right. That is correct. Yep. So, I mean. Yeah, you know, and and I'm sure you're solving some of the same problems that virtual machine authors are solving except you're you're coding against llvm um correct so yeah i mean what what does it take to you know just just to dive right in right 
what what problems are you solving that we're just not thinking about? You know, what kinds of things no, are we going? Is... Hey, you know, string dot reverse, and you know, we don't think about. Oh my gosh, there's so much. You know, shoveling yeah, it... memory around or whatever that happens on the other end. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so that was one of those things. Was that was like a quote, quote unquote rude awakening for me. You know, I, I thought I understood. Oh yeah, language creation compilers. You know, and you think you think about uh, let's say. Um, uh, let's say coffee script, right? It's like, Oh, it's a transpiler. How hard can that be? But, um, but <laughs> Famous you know, last words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How hard can that, it's just a transpiler, you know, it's like, I got this. Um, you know, and you really, you, you really start digging in and, um, uh, you kind of, uh, what I found was I was reliving everything that Laurent, uh, went through, uh, with, with building our Ruby motion and by extension, um, if you think about like what Matsumoto, what Mats went through when initially creating Ruby, um, one, the, the inspiration to create a language, um, and you know, the aesthetics that Ruby has in itself is one of those things where, uh, it's hard to comprehend. And then let alone writing the facilities and the, all the features of a language in a, you know, in, in essentially a language that doesn't support these features, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what the virtual machine is. So, I mean, you're, you're seeing, uh, you look at the Ruby source and if you're a Ruby developer and you've never built Ruby from source and you've never looked at, um, the Ruby source code or how here doc is implemented, uh, try to, try to look at that, right? Try to figure out all, all the things that were needed to implement something as simpler, as simple as, you know, multi-line strings. And, um, it puts you in a perspective, it, it gives you perspective on, um, how much there is to, you know, really understand out there. So, so yeah, at its simplicity, uh, Ruby motion is a statically compiled, um, implementation of Ruby that compiles down to, uh, LLVM bitcode. So, uh, I, I think it's worth a crash course to talk about LLVM if we want to take this tangent. Yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah. So LLVM stands for a low level virtual machine. And is, is, um, Crystal, the reason that it, is Crystal implemented on LLVM as well? I would I would be surprised if it isn't. Right, there are so many things yeah. that are are being implemented on uh, LLVM now. It's really really uh, taking off as like a compiler tool chain. So LLVM is essentially a compiler tool chain, and the idea there is that um, there are there are two things that you need uh, to. Well, they split it up in in a way where you need two things to compile something and put it on a CPU architecture. So uh, if, you look at, if you look at mobile devices, those are ARM64, uh, as of right now, ARM64 uh, devices. So uh, LLVM says, okay, we're going to provide you compiler backends. So as long as your comp- quote-unquote compiler frontends emit an intermediate representation um, called LLVM, we can take that intermediate representation, then compile that to Bitcode that will run on all these CPU architectures. So before LLVM existed, you know, if you wanted to create a language that runs on ARM64, you would be creating the language, you would be creating the parsers, and then you would be creating the um, essential Bitcode to run on that specific architecture. And then someone comes to you and is like, hey, we would love to run this on, you know, this other, uh, this other XYZ architecture. Well, good luck, because now you're going to have to you know, re-implement that, uh, that backend. So a low-level virtual machine, um, this, it's a compiler tool chain that basically splits the world, the compiler world, into, into two separate things, the front ends and the back ends. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, so Ruby Motion, in essence, is a 
compiler from for LLVM that happens to compile Ruby code. Um, and then there are already available compiler backends that allow you to that allow you to release on any number of um, architectural devices. The reason this is so cool, so if you think about WebAssembly, um, you, you hear WebAssembly coming out as mm-hmm. like, oh, you can use any language and um, and uh, you know deploy to WebAssembly. The problem is is that you have to basically compile WebAssembly bitcode in essence, right? Mm-hmm. And then the question is like, crap, I got to create the language. I have to create the parsing and the, you know, the bitcode, uh, the uh, virtual machine bitcode so that WebAssembly can run it. Well, with LLVM, you don't have to because there's going to be a backend. Um, they're already developing a backend for LLVM that can go to WebAssembly. Nice. So this idea, yeah, so this idea of um, Ruby moving past just the server if we have a LLVM backend for it, that opens up the ability to say, if your language compiles to LLVM, your language is all automatic, quote unquote, automatically supported for WebAssembly. Um, and that's like one of those quote unquote wow moments. Uh, that was one. Of, that was one of those quote unquote wow moments for me. Uh, was understanding, you know, these these little um, nuances to what it really, really means to build a language and actually have it deployed to a to a a chipset architecture, right? Mm-hmm. So, incredible stuff. Really, really incredible stuff. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and um, it's it, it was really sad for me too because you start getting into you know that quote unquote world, and um, uh, there's there's not a lot of information out there to do this. And the reason is is that the people that can actually do this stuff, uh, relatively speaking, is just a handful. Right. So they don't have they don't have time to do blog posts and screencasts and, you know, all those other things that uh, we we just readily expect from, uh, you know, from a language. Right. Or a tool chain. So you have the official website. But then from there, you're on your own. You're on the GNU message boards or, you know, variants of that. And, you know, you're trying to if you if you say, hey, guys, I want to you know, please help me get started. They're going to be like, screw you. We've got work to do, but there's only a few of us. And, you know, we're trying to manage all these uh, chipset architectures, you know, clone the repo, figure it out just like we did. Um, so it was one of those like sobering experiences from the perspective of they're not necessarily angry or mean. They're just really busy mm-hmm. and they're trying to, they're trying to carry the, you know, the burden of the world uh, on their, on their sho- uh, shoulders and just, there's, there's not enough of them. Uh, and I'm, th- and, uh, p- you know, people, people have come to me, uh, on my, on the Slack channel for Ruby motion saying that, oh, Amir, you know, what happens if, you know, you get hit by a bus or something, what happens to Ruby motion? Uh, one, uh, I don't own the IP. So, I mean, uh, it's worth putting this out there. I don't, I don't own the IP for Ruby motion. So in any situation where I can't run away with it. So there are cl- specific clauses and requirements inside of the acquisition stating that if I ever dissolve or move away from Ruby motion, it must be open sourced under a permissive license. There's no, there's no possible way I'm allowed to uh, just walk away with it. So there's a kill switch, quote unquote, built in. But aside from that, um, you know, when people ask me, it's like, oh man, Amir, what's going to happen if you know, what's going to happen in Ruby motion if you, uh, if you win the lottery, let's say not hit by a bus, but uh, win the lottery. And I'm like, you're worried about me. Think of all the guys that are, you know, maintaining the ARM 64, uh, backend compiler backend for LLVM and, you know, worry about them because they're the guys that are really making anything I do even possible. Um, 
you know, you think about open SSL, same deal there, right? There's one and the, what was the heartbeat, the heartbeat exploit or whatever, you yeah, know, heartbleed, bunch yeah. Of people, yeah, heartbleed. Um, there, there were hundreds of people talking about, Oh, you know, the if branch was the issue. And it's like, no, the issue is there's only one guy maintaining it and there's not enough people out there that are, you know, carrying that burden. But, um, you know, it was just, it was interesting to see that, that world. And, um, it really puts you in, a, it really puts everything that, we take for granted as high level language users, um, uh, into perspective. So there's my spiel on LVM, I guess. Does that mean any thoughts on that or like, uh, comments or worries or variants? <laughs> no, the whole LLVM's way over my head. Uh, <laughs> you, should, you should dig in, man. So, With, so no if you are interested, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, but if you are interested, uh, if you go to LLVM.org, there's a toy language out there um, called Kaleidoscope, and it's a 50 it's a 50 page uh, like wiki. I mean, you know, it's a 50 page write up. Um, it's brutal. It is brutally difficult because you're learning how to create a basically a language, the parser, the abstract syntax tree, et cetera, et cetera, for a very simple language that only works on doubles, right? Math math operations doubles with functions and branching. But you know, you you take that in and you get through that. And you think about what, like, again, Matsumoto had to go through to actually create yeah. Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you go to Ruby Kaigi and you see the contributors to Ruby, all 20 of them, you know, sitting on the stage. And you're like, holy crap, like, this is this is it, right? These are the only people uh, that know how to how to write this, how to write these kind of things. Um, it they need kind of a designated survivor, I swear. Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously, like, um, and. And as Ruby developers, uh, I think it's I think it's our responsibility to uh, understand uh, one level below Ruby. I mean, the, the language itself. It's the it's one of those things that I think it was the biggest mistake that Ruby developers have made is that we're in this wall garden, but um, that's not good because we are the designated survivors of mm-hmm. you know of that uh, of that core team, and you know it's it's open, it's out there, and it t- it's just one of those things where you just got to kind of you know, dig your heels in and dig in. Um, so where do you get, to, where do you go to get started then? I, I guess that's I'm the not question. You. I'm not telling you, figure it out. Right. I mean, that, that's what they'll say <laughs> I mean, uh, from the perspective of like, uh, yeah, the, the source code is out there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Ruby source code is out there. It's, it's on subversion, uh, clone it, try to get a building and, um, try to kind of understand, just read the code. Uh, I think a part of it is like, read the code, try to understand all the nuances of, language creation. You might have to pick up some books on language theory. The LLVM Kaleidoscope application will kind of give you a, you know, a heads up on how do you create abstract syntax trees and all those variants. But the really cool thing is that um, there are key, uh, like RB, RB defined method, RB underscore defined underscore method is a, is a, um, a C function that is part of the Ruby runtime. So um, again, there's very few people that could uh, spit out like all the runtime methods, um, off the top of their head. But at the same time, you know, we, uh, I think just starting with the header files and reading the header files would be one of those things where, okay, now I kind of understand all the nuances and all the things that had to be created to support this, uh, runtime, let alone the implementation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I think that'd be a good place, a uh, good place to start. It's our responsibility, right? You like <laughs> you get, like, cape and everything. So, 
Um, I'm hoping, you know, Ruby developers that listen to this at least at a minimum, you know, clone the repo and start reading the header files. So let's say if you're a bit more simple minded like me and <laughs> you want to get started with Ruby Motion, you know, it's been out there for some time now and there's been other companies and other parties that have created gems for Ruby Motion, like a uh, Red Potion is one that kind of creates a Railsy like framework for right. developing uh, a Ruby Motion app, and there's a few other ones out there, but a lot of them seems seem to kind of like die down, and yeah. you know just no longer get maintained. So if I'm starting out with Ruby Motion, what is the ideal path or the ideal way to go from start to finish with like, you know, here's the gems that you really want to use. Here's the ones that you kind of want to stay away from or just use caution with. Uh, is using the interface builder and the outlets still a preferred method or good method? Et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind of stuff? Um, so, uh, and this, I guess, goes back to like, again, the reflection of the Ruby community as a whole is that uh, we have to get out of our wall gardens. And I think that was one of the um, initial mis- I mean, it's really fun to build a new framework uh, like Red mm-hmm. Potion. Red Potion is still very, very popular. So um, if you want to do a quote-unquote walled garden Ruby motion, pick up Red Potion. Bubble Wrap is another another big one that you want to look at. And then AF motion for your uh, HTTP interop. So uh, those are your three, um, I would say your three big ones that you want to pull down and then you can go to town on it. Um, but this idea of a wall garden, and this is something that, uh, of course, I, I've struggled with and, and to think about is that the Ruby Motion community is part of the greater mobile community. So um, if you think about like uh, just the Objective-C libraries that are out there, uh, one of them is called um, it's called Masonry, and that's that's primarily what's used for uh, like layout your auto layouts and all those things, iOS devices, and Masonry is really what we as Ruby developers, Ruby Motion developers, should contribute to, because uh, what we're trying to bring to um, bring to those libraries is the aesthetics of Ruby, like the APIs. So Objective-C as a language is surprisingly a fantastic language. Um, it's just it's just that a lot of the a lot of like the APIs and um, a lot of the like namespaces and class names are so arcane. Uh, they feel too enterprisey or they feel kind of old. And um, there's nothing stopping Ruby Motion developers or Ruby developers contributing to those to those APIs, even as an issue, saying that hey, you know this would be a lot more idiomatic, quote unquote idiomatic mobile or idiomatic Ruby, mm-hmm. if you, instead of calling this thing, uh, you know, UI touch-up event inside, right, or some ridiculous uh, r- regular event call, just call it tap. And, um, and kind of... <laughs> I love push, it. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like UI touch-up event inside, and it's like, you're kidding me, right? That's that's the, that's the event name. Sounds kind um, of dirty. Uh, no comment. <laughs> That is an official UI kit API, by the way. This is ridiculous. Yes, I know. It's called that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, tap. I mean, why is that so hard? And then uh, start pushing these conversations down to uh, down to the these quote unquote bases. So from my perspective, moving forward, I would like to you know say that the the community itself has to push down to to these kind of libraries like AF networking, um, mm-hmm. masonry. Uh, uh, Masonry Cocos 2DX for for game development. Um, there there's so many wonderful 
very, very robust um, libraries out there that do a lot of this stuff for us. And we just have to contribute to those. Uh, same on the Android side, right? But um, I guess that's the long and the short of it. So, yeah, so getting into, I mean, we're going to, I guess, come at RubyMotion from the, here's the deep end of how it all works instead of the, here's RubyMotion, here's how you write apps in it. We'll probably eventually yeah. get there in the show. But so yeah. so, yeah, so how do you, is it that complicated then to, to pull in like another LLVM language like uh, Objective-C or Swift where, you know, you brought up AF networking, right? Which I believe is written in Objective-C. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the great part of Ruby motion is that it's actually native, unlike uh, mm-hmm. react native cough, cough. Uh, we can talk about react native too. I'm sure that's <laughs> one of the questions, but um, JavaScript it's bridge, actually native. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blah, blah. Yeah. Right. Uh, everyone <laughs> says react native. I'm like, you don't, you don't understand what native is. Um, it's, it's uh, closer to the metal. It's closer to the metal than like Cordova. Yes, it is. It is. And I think um, that's the idea, but yeah, I get, I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, it's just CocoaPods. So you just reference it. And uh, in essence, because it's an Objective-C runtime and it's an Objective-C library, it quote unquote just works. And you just get those APIs inside of RubyMotion. Um, uh, with regards to Swift, the interesting thing with Swift is uh, it's, it's funny because Apple is actually going through all the things that RubyMotion went through uh, with regards to interrupting with uh, the Objective-C runtime. So mm-hmm. you, you start looking at the Swift repo and you say, ha ha, we had to do that too. Um, you know, like, welcome, to, welcome to our world. Uh, but uh, with regards to interrupting with Swift, um, they have to inherit from NS object. So uh, they have to be visible to portable C in essence and Objective C and the Objective C runtimes to actually lever those, leverage those libraries. Um, you Does know, which, Ruby no which, motion not have to then? I'm sorry. So Ruby motion cannot directly interrupt with Swift. It Swift, the Swift libraries that are out there must inherit from NS object uh, for us to for Ruby Motion to actually be able to leverage oh, okay. it. I see. Yeah, but so by extension, uh, and here's the interesting conundrum for for all of iOS is that everything is built on Objective C, right? Um, same thing with React Native. If you want to do React Native, you can't leverage Swift libraries. Um, you can try, give it a shot. You won't be able to. And it's the same thing: is that we all, the entire mobile world, relies on these portable runtime and these, this portable C runtime and this objective C runtime that exists out there. So it puts, uh, it puts Swift in an interesting place because if you want your Swift open source library to really take off, you have to make it interoperable with portable C in some way. Um, and that's one of those requirements that are going to start coming down the pipe when larger and larger companies say, Hey, we'd love to use your charting library. We'd love to use XYZ library, but we got to use it through Objective C. You got to expose, you know, those uh, those uh, little little bridge points for us, so we can, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can leverage it. Um, and you're going to start seeing that. You're going to start seeing that a whole lot. There's just too much ocean to boil there. Interesting. Yeah, and that that was uh, kind of one of the things that I found out about Ruby Motion. You can be the best Ruby Motion developer. But unless if, you know, you find a really awesome gem like Bubble Wrap to interface with the iOS APIs, you really mm-hmm. kind of have to be able to read and understand their Apple's documentation on the Objective-C to really, yes, you know, absolutely. be able to leverage those. So, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, and it's something I've reflected on. It's a criticism, you know, across the board saying that, oh, you know, I, w- I would like to use idiomatic quote-unquote idiomatic Ruby APIs to do this stuff. 
Um, and what the salute quote unquote solution that was taken was, okay, we'll just wrap everything. Right. And uh, create modules and wrappers and facades on all this, all the nastiness. And the, the real solution should have been uh, from a decade ago, it should have been pushing those aesthetics down to the languages that I mean, to the languages we leverage, uh, the greater mobile community leverages. And we would have as a mobile community as a whole, we would have been much further along uh, with productivity if 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 only the the enlightened Ruby developers, uh, you know, push some of those things downward. Um, so now, so now we get to, tr so now we get to try again. Um, and it's, and it, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, and there's, again, there's really no good answer. So, uh, you know, just to talk about react native, uh, once you get into the react world, it's fantastic, right? The react native world where you can use, um, the, uh, the JSX files and whatnot. But if you want to actually leverage a CocoaPod API, you have to create the bridge. Right. So that bridge has to be written in Objective C. You're going to be building um, uh, there. You have to wrap the methods you want to expose to React Native and class macros like class macros, terrifying, terrifying, terrifying C class macros or uh, C macros. And that's what you got to do to do the bridge. And um, uh, we're, we're feeling that pain across the board because people just didn't take the time to say, hey, we want this API to look somewhat sane. <laughs> please, pretty please with the cherry on top. Um so yeah, you have to you have to understand the APIs. You have to understand um, uh, the UI Kit APIs. You have to understand the APIs you're consuming. Mm -hmm. And the harder the quote unquote the harder, uh, more I guess servant sp perspective thing is to not start a new shiny project, but to you know dig your heels in again and con contribute to these these underlying um, underlying frameworks that. The, everyone, everyone uh, depends on, um, and that's that's it's a lot harder to do. I was I was saying we're going to be re doomed to repeat, you know, repeat the mistakes we've made before, yeah. right? As a Ruby as a Ruby community as a whole, um, if we keep you know trying to do this, so yeah. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a twenty dollars credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a 7-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash rubyrogues. So how many of these APIs look like Ruby and how many of these APIs look like Objective C, UI, touch up inside, blah, 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 uh, crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, the majority of them look look like the former mm -hmm. or the latter, latter the, the one at the end, right? Um, AF networking, though, AF networking is an Objective C API. And if you look at it, uh, it's really pleasant. Um, I think that's one of the ones that shines uh, uh, shines very very well outside of all the other um, iOS APIs that uh, that exist out there, and um, it takes a very like uh, you know functional block block centric uh, callback centric approach similar to what you would maybe see in um, in Ruby or um, or like a request from R R E Q W E S T right or jQuery or variants of JavaScript. 
But AF networking is, if every library looked like AF networking, uh, I think across the board, um, many, many, very, a lot of the mobile developers would be much, much happier. It's just not the case, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs> yep. But AF networking is a great example of what I would love to see all Objective C and Android libraries look like. So Ruby Motion does Android as well, right? Yes, it does. So actually, a dark room, um, a dark room was only on iOS, uh, uh, and I would say it's been it's been a year now. It's finally been a year that it's been on Android. So uh, iOS, it's approaching 3.1 uh, million downloads on iOS, and on Android, it just it just passed 350,000 on on Android. So as far as uh, you know, like battle hardened, ready for production. I mean, I'm using it, right? That's one of the reasons why I took, uh, took it over, right? Why I took Ruby motion over, but, um, yes, it is, it is cross platform and, uh, that, that has its own issues, right? So you have a layout engine that's for iOS and now you need to do Android layout. What does that look like? Right. And it's completely different. So my uh, my ADR engine, the back end, I was able to leverage the game engine on both. And that's that saved me, I guess, a good 15,000 15, lines of code. But the 5,000 lines of UI code back then, I had to, I had to kind of rewrite. And um, that was not fun. But uh, it's, it's, again, that same mistake that we made was instead of, um, instead of pushing maybe like quacks like a duck APIs on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't. And here we are. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yep. Interesting. So, so what's the difference then? I mean, are you kind of JRubying it on one side and uh, LLVMing it on the other side, or how does that work? It's actually, uh, it's actually the same. Um, it's compiles down to, in essence, C on both sides. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same ARM64, you know, chipset architecture, et cetera, et cetera. There are two compilation tracks, so you're you're basically you're right. You're, there's Java C, Java compiler on one side, and then and then um, the uh, LLVM on the other side. So, but it it works and it's great. And hopefully, as you know, time goes on, we'll see. Can uh, maybe Android decides to actually start using LLVM also and stop using their horrible, horrible virtual machines that they've created. Um, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad on Android. Um, but 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 we digress. But hopefully, you know, those things converge. Um, I'm also excited about maybe seeing a convergence between Ruby Motion and MRuby, embedded Ruby. Um, seeing those kind of things evolve and converge would would be fantastic right i would love to see that happen yep so as far as like just getting started right we we talked about we went all the way into the bells of LVM and we (laughs) would even talk about like so what do you do so so basically you install xcode and then uh there's a starter edition of ruby motion which is um which is uh free completely free um you can deploy to the app store you'll get a splash screen if you do that uh, you'll get like the powered by Ruby Motion splash screen, similar to what you would see on Steam or anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can target um, uh, basically iOS 11.0 and then and then uh, SDK uh, Android 7.0. Uh, we're we're working on 8.0 right now for 64-bit on Android. But you just download it for free, and then you you after you have Xcode installed, you do motion create your app name. CD into the directory and do rake device or rake simulator, and it will fire up the iOS simulator, and you have your Hello World application. 
So um, that's the quote unquote essence of, you know, getting, getting started with, um, with Ruby. So um, con continuing down this route, um, one of the differentiators with Ruby uh, relative to, uh, relative to, I guess, other quote unquote competing platforms out there is that I've got the business acumen to really understand what it means to make a successful mobile app. So it's not, uh, if you, if you're a company, right. And mm -hmm. you want to create a mobile app, you have two, you have two options. You're either going for reach customer reach and engagement, or you're going for monetization. So when you're looking at monetization, um, iOS is the way to go, right? It's almost right. not worth doing Android at this point. So you vet your monetization product, uh, whether it's through in-app purchases, rewarded ads, uh, uh, rewarded ads, uh, subscription based upfront, what have you. Um, you go iOS and you make your product and you, you know, if, if that revenue number divided by four, anywhere from 20 to four is, uh, is worth, worth you going back and, you know, creating the Android version, then do it. Otherwise you just stay on iOS and build your next app. Now, the other, the other option you have is this idea of reach. And when you're looking for reach, you don't want to create a native application. You want to create a wrapped responsive website that has some nuances and some variations of interacting with native components, maybe the camera or accelerometer or what have you. Mm -hmm. But what you want to emphasize on is, um, is, is engagement, is getting people to come back to your application. So from that perspective, it's not the UI or the app that you really care about. It's really push notification and seamless login to where I don't have to register to visit your website if I you know, use your application. Right. So all those nuances and all those frustrations of registration and uh, verification links and passwords should go away when you're doing when I'm using your mobile uh, mobile experience and push notifications. And that seamless login process is what's going to give you that engagement that you want. So while all the quote unquote other companies out there are pushing for uh, cross platform, look at these awesome controls, I'm looking at it from, you know, a business growth standpoint. You've got mm -hmm. two ways to grow. And uh, the RubyMotion platform codifies those "quote unquote" two ways to grow. How do you how do you increase conversion rates on reviews? How do you increase conversion rates on rewarded ads, seamless login, et cetera, et cetera? And that's what's really really important in this in this business now. And it's ever evolving, and you got to be you got to be in it. You got to be in the game to really really comprehend what what sets you what sets one mobile app apart from another. So that's the differentiator for RubyMotion from uh, from why you would choose that over something else. Now, is that is that a focus or, or is, is this an approach that changed when you acquired it or was Laurent well down this road already? Yeah, this, this was an approach that changed when I acquired it. And uh, specifically because you, I've acquired it in a world where it's bring your own language, right? Mm -hmm. Anyone can, I mean, you, you can quite literally, I think you can write Perl. You can write a Perl, you can application in, in, in Perl or some variant of that. Um, it's, or basic, was it basic, free basic, or, uh, I think it was actually covered in one of your, um, uh, previous developer stories, but it's crazy. It's absolutely insane that you can write mobile apps and, you know, something like basic, <laughs> but, um, it, it is a world of bring your own language at this point. So the differentiator is no longer, oh, we can do cross platform development. It's really looking at trying to capture what makes a good mobile app and what makes a successful application and a deployment on, on this new, in this new world. And no one's thinking of that. And it's, and it's uh, unfortunate. Well, it's fortunate for me, I guess. 
So if there's some people out there who want to just really see the power and possibilities of RubyMotion, even though we can pretty much do anything that a Swift application can do, what are some of the popular apps out there that are made with RubyMotion? Because of the App Store, you don't have that visibility because it looks like and feels like just a native application, and it is. Yes, yes. And that's true. Um, so with regards to applications out there, of course, I can speak to my own, a dark room, um, a dark room and a dark room for Android. I can't uh, disclose applications of other other companies, but on the website, we do have we do have that uh, the page that says, you know, you've got your success stories online and other applications that are built out there. But from the perspective of just a dark room alone, that's the runtime. The Ruby motion runtime is on three percent of devices out there. And um you know, it doesn't sound like a big number, but three percent is a, a, you know, three million, three million devices and growing is, is, pretty big. And the biggest, the big, the other biggest thing out there is that the the people that, the companies out there that are, that are, are being run by you know CEOs, they don't have apps with three million. You know, they are not in charge of apps with three million users. Yes, they're charge of a product. But they really need to understand, you know, the the business aspect of it, of what it really feels like to be a developer that has to maintain these things. You just don't have that, unfortunately. So um, it's being used definitely. Um, I'm not I'm not the largest uh, Ruby Motion code base, surprisingly. I have I guess combined I have 75,000 lines of Ruby Motion code. Um, I sent out surveys. Uh, on average, uh, Ruby Motion code base was anywhere from. Um, Let's say 1,000 to 3,000 lines. The largest Ruby Motion code base out there right now is is about 115,000 lines, one application. Wow. So very, very large. I mean, and, and that's probably like what at least 10 million lines of object, Objective C, right? Yeah. Um, Did you tell them yeah. about the dry principle? <laughs> it, <laughs> just it's just a large app. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, but but. But yeah, they're they're very very large Ruby uh, Ruby applications out there, Ruby Motion applications. So, it's used. It's it's definitely one of those things. Um, we also have a Slack channel, and I'm really pre- present in the Slack channel. So you know, if you want to have like a one to one, or if you want to talk about your app idea, um, you know, I've I've had I've had uh, conversations with you know people just saying, hey, this year this is a good app idea, or here's how you want to change it, and uh, it's one of those things where. Uh, you'll you'll see the uh, you'll see the underpinnings of the community once you come to the come to the Slack channel. Yeah, so uh, I recently had some family in town, and I figured it was a good time to write a translator app. You know, because they're from Japan, and I don't speak Japanese. So you know, I decided to give Ruby Motion a break and pick up Swift, and to just you know try to build a uh, iOS application, a translator that would just leverage the Google Translate API, and it would then use the. Uh, the natural language processing to dictate the text and then speak it. And I got it working. You know, it took a couple of nights, but it was a pain. You know, just the error messages that Swift gave and uh, just a lot of the junk. And it really kind of made me wish that I would have written it in Ruby Motion. You know, having had Ruby Motion experience before and just communicating on the network, looping through arrays and stuff. And Swift, it's just a pain. You know, I think it's made great progress from where Objective C was and previous versions of Swift, but I don't think it's there yet for 
making developers happy. You know, is it functional? Is it productive? Yeah, sure. You know, once you get familiar with it, but it's not at that happy developer level yet. Yeah. And one of those things with, and I feel, I feel good. I'm, I'm happy that Apple's moving forward with Swift. Um, they've got a big uphill, you know, again, they got this huge ocean to boil um, their own products, let alone everyone else that, you know, has objective C out there. Uh, one of my frustrations with Swift is, um, you know, the same thing. It's like, try to try to take a Swift 2.0 base and try to upgrade it to three. Um, it was not fun. It was, it is not fun to do. And you have quote unquote horror stories of people trying to go from, you know, 2.0 to 3.0. And it's, it's just, I feel bad, mm-hmm. right? I feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course I'm like, haha, like Ruby already did all this stuff. And, you know, here you are <laughs> trying to, trying to re quote unquote reinvent the wheel, but you know, uh, to, to each their own from that perspective, but it's not fun. It, it isn't fun. And, the the other the other issue is that even if Swift becomes uh, productivity, uh, you know, like really productive and and whatnot, those underpinnings, those aesthetics, still won't be there. You still have to do your you know r- your ridiculous app uploads through Xcode. You still have to use Xcode. You can't use any variants of that. Um, uh, JetBrains has a has a product out there called AppCode. I would mm-hmm. if you're if you're tired of AppCode, Xcode, try that out. But it's still an IDE, right? It's not going to be something like just sublime text or atom or variances of that. But, um, but yeah, they're not fixing those, those really, really annoying problems with just provisioning profiles and crash logs and all the other frustrating things. Um, try, try doing a test suite, try doing like a, like a RSpec style or like a TDD style, you know, implementation. It is infuriating, uh, to get working in, in those kind of environments. So, those are the kind of things that I would expect, you know, Ruby developers really value. Yeah. One, one other question I have is, you know, what, what's the learning curve like? Um, you know, I, I know you've written a bunch of Ruby motion code, Dave, uh, it sounds like you've written some Ruby motion code, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's the learning curve like? I mean, I've, I've gone as far as downloading Ruby motion onto my machine, but I've never actually gotten around to doing anything with it. Yeah, so a learning curve, uh, basically it comes down to um, if you want to do just vanilla Objective-C, uh, the, the curve is high because not only are you, uh, you're, you know Ruby, which is great, but you still have to learn like the UIKit APIs. Yeah, the frameworks. So from a, yeah, the frameworks, which is, you know, which is where the most, most of your work will go. But um, what I would recommend is, yeah, if you want to get a really simple, uh, if you want to get a real simple front end working that calls and, and calls an HTTP server, and it, again, this is for monetization and not just uh, not just reach, uh, you do Red Potion and uh, Bubble Wrap and AF uh, AF Motion for your for your HTTP, and you you go to town. And if you want to use CocoaPods instead of the Ruby Motion wrappers, you're looking at Masonry and uh, AF Networking to to give you what you need there, and um, from the from there, uh, you just look at the samples. There are really really good samples out there, um, really good documentation. And then yeah, just come to the Slack channel. Um, you have so much help. You have so many people there that you just say, hey, I'm having trouble with X Y Z, and they'll they'll jump on uh, they'll jump on that to to really help you out. And now that quote unquote Apple Christmas is over, holy crap! I feel my my heart goes out to all the mobile developers that had to deal with. Um, all the new devices and all the new iOS is coming out, but 
you know, now that that's now that that's over and done with, the Ruby Motion website will get an overhaul on its documentation uh, coming next year. So, you know, it, things are moving forward. There's uh, it's business as usual from my perspective. Sweet, nice. How much work is it to keep up with? You know, they announce a new iOS. You know, do a lot of things change, or do not many things tend to change? <laughs> um, you know, very, go from ahead. a uh, from an end user of Ruby Motion perspective, all you have to do is sudo motion update. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> I envy you, know, you. By the way, <laughs> it's basically that simple. So, how hard can it be? Uh, from how a mere standpoint, it's oh probably my gosh. hell. Yeah, oh, uh, Amir has so, this magic wand that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so here's the frust- Here's the most infuriating part. Like, uh, I'll give you a story with this. So um, iOS or Apple has this, like, they'll move your cheese and they won't even tell you. And the thing is, the cheese that they move impacts every freaking developer out there. It's not just, you know, people using RubyMotion or, or at all. So one of the cheeses that they moved was um, if you try to if you try to release an app to the App Store now, uh, you are required to use asset catalogs for your icons. And here, the frustrating part is that they dropped this bomb on us after after the uh, the the um, the keynote. And the reason is is that the asset catalog controls your icon resolutions. So they couldn't release the new asset catalogs that had the new resolutions for the iPhone 10s because then they would have been giving away that they were releasing a new device. So those uh, those asshats <laughs> waited, <laughs> waited to the you know waited till uh, they didn't even tell us you just get an you just get an error that says hey invalid CF bundle name et cetera et cetera and you're like what the hell is going on why can't I release my application or go live with it and it was because it was like yeah you have to have ask catalogs now and you need this new icon that needs to be eighty five eighty seven point five pixels by eighty seven point five pixels uh, good luck you know migrating all your apps over. So uh, it is frustrating. It is uh, so if there's not a new device release and it's the same resolutions and and whatnot, it's surprisingly painless. Um, we have a good CI box that does a whole ton of regression and you know can auto deploy all the packages and all the things. But uh, this was the perfect storm. So pro tip: never acquire a company um, and, and then and then uh, ha- ha- let Apple release a new device up, up from under you and you know and then high Sierra that has additional, you know, private APIs that they're going to, they're going to push onto us. Uh, that was, that was definitely the perfect storm there. Uh, the cool thing is that, uh, you look at some of the uh, header files and the, uh, the APIs that are on high Sierra, uh, the face, the 2d face plane or whatever is on the OS. So, uh, I fully expect the, you know, the 3d projector stuff projections and all the AR stuff that you would expect, um, on your mobile devices to come to come to the Mac. Because they're already shipping the APIs for that, so it's really interesting to see that. But um, unfortunately, and, not a magic wand on my side. Yeah, again, I envy you. <laughs> yeah, and back in July, I was testing out with some uh, iOS 10 beta stuff, and they had messed with like the app delegate class or something that made Ruby Motion just go all haywire. And it wasn't even a Ruby Motion thing. They just like silently did something. And I think it was iOS 10 beta 3. Beta 4. Beta, beta 4. Beta 4, yes. I remember yeah. that night. Holy crap. And um, that was horrible. And then all of a sudden, like a new beta came out and they like undid their changes or something crazy. I'm like... Yeah. So here's uh, what they did. Um, <laughs> 
Those guys. Uh, I so, just did a pseudo motion update and it was fixed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Objective C doesn't have uh, doesn't have namespacing, right? So that's why you see everything uh, like for React Native, their bridge is called like GDC bridge yada 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 for you know for their class names. So you prefix everything with an acronym, and uh, of, of some variant, so you don't have class collisions. So one of the private APIs, the way they hooked it up on the devices, so that it only happened on iPhone, uh, iPhone 7 Pluses um, running iOS 11. So if you're running something that wasn't that device specific, uh, you wouldn't actually have this problem. But they, they accidentally exposed a private class, private API class called event and with, without the namespace. So anyone, anyone that ended up creating, uh, creating an, you know, having a class collision across any CocoaPod, any variant of whatever that happened to have the event class, the process class, and there was one other, and um, they just like broke everyone on on um, on beta four. So. Here I am trying to get something where I was like, well, crap, we have to, we use process. This is going to be a big deal. So then, you know, I went in and subsequently uh, namespaced everything. Um, and then, yeah, beta five, it was like fixed or beta four, the next beta was gone. And then, and then everyone in the entire world, you know, decided to let out a sigh of relief. But that was, <laughs> and they didn't mention in the release notes. It, it was like, okay, so in the release notes, they're going to talk about how they, how they just completely gave every single iOS developer a heart attack, right? No, of course not. Of course they didn't. But um, yeah, that was not a that was not a fun time. So hopefully they stop doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> Break heart attack colon rollback. It doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I of, of course, and I'm you know I'm dealing with this true. I'm uh, I'm uh, right in there in the weeds. So I I'm spending. All, all day and night after the beta comes out, I fix Ruby motion, I deploy and I'm like pseudo motion update. Oh, that was easy. And then I go in and uh, redeploy all my apps to make sure that it, it works when iOS 11 goes GM. And then next thing I know, they fix it in the next release. And I'm like, all right, well, I just lost 35,000 five-star reviews on my apps. Great. <laughs> because I did a release. But, you know, it's a... Just be happy that I'm dealing with it and and uh, not you. Yeah, we appreciate you taking one for the team. How many people yeah, work yeah. on Ruby Motion? Uh, so I'm primarily the main person. Um, I do contract out to uh, a lot of the people that originally uh, were on the Ruby Motion team with Laurent, and of course I'll be ramping that up next year once uh, once this whole this whole like um, uh, acquisition stuff uh, s- settles down. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to be getting a new community manager. Um, he's going to manage like the day to day, the documentation, all that good stuff. And then it'll be me and, um, and me and a couple other guys that will really handle the runtime and, and ex- expansion of that, of that runtime. Cool. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions. Do you, Dave? No, just, uh, thanks for, um, I guess the whole community's work on Ruby motion. It is a lot of fun to develop and, Yep, and and you know, like I said, um, uh, when we started the podcast, uh, I love the I love the product. I, I could talk about the product all day long, but um, just as a a bigger message to the Ruby Motion community, I mean to the to the Ruby community. Sorry, uh, you know, take a look at the Ruby compiler. Take a look at M Ruby. Take a look at what's behind the curtain, and and you know, just 
and try to try to increase the the but the bus factor overall and try to become one of those you know designated survivors because um you know we 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 can't other other communities probably can live with uh, live with what they do but i i think we're better than that right as the ruby community i think we need to i think we need to expand expand past it and really look at what's what's behind the curtain it's important awesome now one other thing i usually ask before picks is um, if people want to see what you're working on these days or follow you on Twitter, or GitHub or something like that, maybe you have a blog, uh, where do they go? Um, so I'm, I actually started my Twitch backup. So every Sunday I will Twitch, uh, I'll stream game development with Ruby motion. So if you kind of want to just shoot the bull with me and make fun of, uh, me using Emacs to do, uh, to do Ruby development, uh, <laughs> come on, come on to the, to the Twitch stream. Um, and aside of, aside of that, I've spent a lot of my time on the Slack channel. So motion, uh, Heroku app dot motion Um, or sorry, motion dot Heroku app.com. Uh, that'll get you the, uh, login to the, uh, to the Slack channel. And I'm on Twitter at, at Amir Rajan, A M I R R A J A N. And those are the three best ways to, uh, get in contact with me. All right. Well, we'll put those in the show notes and let's get to some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Dave, do you have some picks for us? Of course you would ask me that. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, one gem that I've been using quite a bit lately that's been really awesome is called Rerun. And it basically just monitors some files on your uh, on your computer, on your Mac, and it'll restart a service or application uh, based on whatever you have in the Rerun script. And it's really helpful for things like uh, Sidekick, having Sidekick automatically restart if you are changing files that it uh, could be affecting. That way you don't have to stop it and restart it. So it's been something that's been really awesome. Nice. Um, I'm going to throw out a handful of picks here. Um, so I had lunch with Eric, who's one of the regular panelists. He's not on today. Um he, we had lunch yesterday and we were talking about code sponsor and devchat.tv and sponsorship and stuff. And, uh, he, he was, he was kind of trying to lead me along to a certain conclusion and finally just gave me the answer. <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of funny because his response was, you have this problem, you know how to solve it. You're a coder, go solve it. And so, <laughs> um, just go solve it, man. Come on. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because, you know, I've been trying to, 
handle a lot of this manually or hire somebody to do a lot of this for me. And some of it's complicated enough and automatable enough to where code makes a lot of sense. And so I started working on this uh, app yesterday and I wound up actually not doing the work that I needed to do yesterday. Uh, <laughs> the life of an entrepreneur, right? Story of our, yeah, story of our <laughs> life, right? So uh, anyway, um, so I got in and, and got going on this stuff. And um, anyway, I found some really cool gems that I am super happy with. Um, a few of these I've used in the past uh, and one or two of these I are, are new to me and I was super happy to find them. Um, one of them that made things a lot cleaner and a lot nicer is Friendly ID. Um, if you've used this in Rails, um, it essentially just creates a slug and then makes uh, querying by the slug really easy. Um, so that, that works great. Um, I found that it didn't work as great when I had in my routes file in Rails uh, resource instead of resources. That messed that up. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, but other than that, it, it's super nice. And as soon as I fixed that, it's like, oh, look, it's all working. I just spent an hour trying to figure out what was wrong with this. Um, the other gem that I found that I really like in, and this one I didn't know about before is ice cube. Um, that's ice underscore cube. And what it is, is it sets up a recurring, um, so you can set up recurring schedules. So recurring events, and it'll create all of the objects for you. And then there's another gem that's built on top of it called recurring select, uh, recurring underscore select, um, that will actually add to Rails a basically a recurring um, dropdown so people can set up recurring events in your app. And then it just serializes the, recur the recurrence rules into um, a hash format and sticks it into your database in a text field which is very nice. And then you can just pull it out, rehydrate it, and create a whole bunch of event um, objects that you know aren't persisted until you decide to persist them. And so anyway, really, really happy with that. And there was a video, I think it was on GoRails, um, that, that walked through using it. So I'll put links to all of those in the show notes. But um, yeah, it, it, it made this a whole lot easier. I was trying to figure out how I wanted to design this and build it from scratch, and it turned out that... It was it was like eighty percent done, and then the Go Rails showed me how to do the rest. So, um, anyway, really really happy with that. Uh, Amir, what are your picks? So, finally, I get to talk a little bit about a little about uh, games. Um, it was like this entire podcast we weren't able to talk about video games. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> so I've got um, so this is a PlayStation Four game. It's called uh, Near Automata, and uh, if you if you haven't played it. I mean, just get this game. And if you don't have a PS4, buy a PS4 and then buy this game because it's one of those games that I think uh, will be gone. will go down as a game of a generation. It's that good. Um, so near, uh, near automata is, is on my list. And um, I have two game related podcasts that are really great. Uh, one is called idle thumbs. And um, if you, yeah, if you just look, go on iTunes or anywhere and look for idle thumbs pod podcast, um, they do a great job of like just talking about a whole swath of games across PC, console, mobile, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's one more called Literate Gamer. And Literate Gamer, uh, they actually, instead of reviewing games, they actually critique games. So they take a more, uh, I guess, uh, uh, you know, more high society approach to uh, to looking at games and talking about games and kind of uh, treat it as almost like an art form. So it's really cool uh, to, to listen to them. W one of the past podcasts they had, the producer of Bioshock, uh, talk about why he got into game development and 
and you know his passions around building and being a producer and coding and all that stuff and you know it it hits home it really hits home especially if you ever try to build a video game or decided to get into development because of video games so those are um so near automata the game uh get it it's freaking awesome and then uh idle thumbs and literate gamer great great gaming podcasts awesome well thanks for coming amir it was really cool to talk and I, I kind of, so I, I'm going to ask you to come back because um, we talked about doing Ruby on mobile and, and all of kind of the innards with Ruby Motion, but I'd love to talk to you about that aesthetic of Ruby that you talked about and just see if yeah, we can definitely. dig in and put our thumb on what some of the parts of that are because I think a lot of us like Ruby and, you know, the way that it feels to write and it, you know, it, it has that feeling to it, but I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever seen it like picked apart and oh this is it you know or this is part of it so yeah and and i would love to explore that because it, it's fundamentally changed how i code as a developer right very few languages i can say like have really fundamentally changed how i code and i think uh, ruby is one of those one of those languages awesome well we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up and we will catch you all next week all right talk to you later bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.